Welcome, dear listener, to Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, the Rob Reiner run, uh, as we look at his very first film. This is Spinal Tap. Welcome, dear listener, to Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, where we look at a series of films along a certain theme. The theme this time, of course, being the seven f- initial films by director Rob Reiner. Um, what a run. What a run. What a run is almost the, the sub-subtitle of this. Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, the Rob Reiner run. What a run. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the fourth subheading, isn't it? And why not? Why not? You deserve them all. Um, uh, I've introduced myself. My name is Hugh. You can't dust for vomit. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and my name is Dr. James Evans Esquire. You can't dust for vomit. <laughs> was that your one as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was because it, it I, I don't recall that one. In, I've seen This Is Swallowed Up a few times and I can't recall that. And I thought well, that made me chuckle. I'm not going to use that because it's one of the lesser. It's not it's not turn it up to 11 yeah, or yeah. the loudest band in England. It's yeah. um yeah. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> so this either shows we're in such sync or in fact, we found so little funny about the film. We just picked the one line that made us smile. <laughs> but no, that was a good one. It made me laugh. Anyway, as you can guess, so we are doing This Is Spinal Tap, a, a cult legend, really. Um, and and yeah, well, it's so much of a cult legend here yeah. that it has been um, it has. What's, what, what, what has it been? It's been inaugurated in the um, what is it? Hang on a minute. You might you might need to make this better. Um, it's been inaugurated in the Library of Congress. Oh yes, for films of cu- great cultural significance. Yeah, culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. Oof. Do they just does, does the Library of Congress just do films, or could podcasts make it in there too? I think we're stretching it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the garrods are good. I don't think garrods are very good. No, fair enough. But we have well done. This is Spinal Tap. I mean, it's um. Again, in terms of monetary alone, you know, it, it doubled, over doubled its budget. Uh, it's it very, it's very well, small though. budget. It, but yeah, yeah, I suppose it did double its budget, but it, it, it wasn't a huge success, was it, in terms of um, bums on seats? But it was yeah, a, it, an immediate. It yeah, yeah, it wasn't critical. everywhere either. No, um, no, it wasn't. No, but it it was almost seen by everybody. Anyone you spoke to has seen Spinal This Is Spinal Tap, yeah. and will say how much they liked it. So it, it's it's it resonated, and it was the VHS release uh, that kind of generated its uh, was it? cult status yeah and then oh, over the ages. years it's been you know it's just got bigger and bigger i guess really i mean it was always critically acclaimed yeah um even from the day of release but um actually in terms of success it was a success but but i, I almost feel like it you know this would have been one of the biggest films of the 80s and, and it really wasn't in terms yeah, of um, yeah. kind of income right then so shall we begin i mean the the synopsis should be fairly straightforward um, there isn't a lot of plot in this no no um if i, mean, I think you could probably sum it up in a sentence <laughs> really. shall i shall i try <laughs> well, <laughs> this is spinal tap is a mock documentary of a struggling long-established english rock band as they go on a failing tour of america culminating with 
the breakup and reunion of the band and they uh, and they have their second uh, second run of success in Japan. I think that you've done a good job there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that is it, isn't it? That's um, pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's, the point it's, of the film isn't really the plot. The point is to get from one comedic sketch to another, isn't it? Yeah. So to to to, to put more flesh on the bones there, to put more uh, vomit into the uh, the drummer's mouth. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Rob Reiner himself appears in this film. Actually, he's the first person on it. He's a he's a filmmaker. Um, again, as as with Spinal Tap, he's not a very good filmmaker. He's actually made commercials, and now he's yeah. taking his hand at a documentary. The whole thing is in the documentary style that I'm going to say, if not pioneered by this, was certainly very new and fresh when these guys did it. Um, yes. So the the only film I can think of prior to this that did something similar was um, the, oh, what's it? It's the, the Ruttles film, um, All You Need Is Cash okay. from the late 70s, which is a, a Monty Python-esque, Eric Idle-led um, rock mockumentary about the Ruttles, which are obviously supposed to be the Beatles, mm-hmm. um, which aired on the BBC in the late 70s. Oh, I can top that. Um, oh. I've seen, in uh, in 1964, um, the BBC did a a documentary or a, a fake documentary of Culloden. Um, oh so yes, by Black Peter um, Watkins. Peter Watkins. Yes, I've and seen it. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? it? Is and it's incredible. It's, it, yeah. yeah, it's like with um, Vox Pops, and and he interviews yeah. the the characters, doesn't he? It's it's absolutely incredible. It's, again, yeah. it's worth a watch. It's, it's all black and white and everything, but it's a Culloden is called by Peter Watkins, sixty-four, yeah. and it's yeah, it's they, it's like a documentary crew are somehow documenting Bonnie Prince Charlie's army, and he's yeah. talking to the commanders. He's talking to the men who are sometimes speaking Scots Gaelic, has to be translated, um, and it's it's so that obviously is a it's a documentary, but it's not a documentary. Obviously, it wasn't played for laughs, but that's as far back as I can. So it wasn't like they invented this genre, but I would yeah. say. Any comedic mockumentary since 1982 owes its origins to this spinal tap. Yeah, you're right. Uh, just just diverting a little bit. Peter Watkins' filmography is absolutely stunning. So, is it? A, 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 yeah, it's brilliant. Alongside Culloden, or Culloden, you've also got um, the War Game, which was um, from the late 60s and early 70s, which was a um, again a, a mock documentary about a nuclear war um, in the UK, which okay. is absolutely stunning. Um, and also, I would heartily recommend Punishment Park, which is a documentary he made in America where um, criminals are released in the desert for the police to chase them. And again, it's a very similar thing where he interviews these um, criminals. The, the, you know, these when I say criminals, I mean, they're, they're effectively anti-democracy um kind of civil unrest type champions um and it, it's anti-democracy and, yeah well they 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 um he interviews the characters in it as if it was a documentary it's yeah. absolutely stunning so he follows it through quite a few times in his in his films all of which are brilliant there is also one film i haven't seen called um the paris commune which again is exactly the same principle as culloden and the war game um but is based on um the um french um civil war I was not expecting this level of recommendation from this review, but I've got a lot of films so, to watch now. Apologize. That's very yes. interesting. This isn't this isn't um, a, a this is Spinal Tap moment. I will appreciate, but um, I wasn't expecting Culloden to come up, and Culloden is one of my favourite films. Oh, me too. I love it. Yeah. 
Um, so there we go. Um, back to our topic. <laughs> uh, so Rob Reiner is is the, uh, the 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 mockumentary maker interviewing this um, the English rock group Spinal Tap. Um, they've again we'll come down. They've been around forever. They've, they've uh, we see in the flashbacks they've gone through the kind of the the cutesy Beatles stage, the uh, the British invasion stage, the, uh, the spiritual phase. They're now they're kind of the glam rock stage. Um, and the uh, the the main figures in Spinal Tap are David Saint Hubbins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this is probably my favourite um, aspect of the film because I, I am I am fond of stupid names. Yeah. David Saint Hubbins. What we say the saint was? It's a very rare saint. Oh, it's, saint yeah, of... saint of quality footwear. Saint <laughs> of quality footwear. That was it. <laughs> uh, played by Michael McKean, um, Nigel Tufnell, played by Christopher Guest, and Derek Smalls, played by Harry Shearer, yeah. later to be very famous in The Simpsons. Um, he actually he, repri he reprises uh, um, Derek Smalls in one of the episodes of The Simpsons. I yeah, when kill for his mutt chops. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I can't remember. This. I can't remember. Like it's Otto and Bart go to a rock concert, um, uh, and yeah, it's very good. So anyway, um, and they also have a keyboardist um, and a one of many drummers. You find out they, <laughs> the, the running gag is that the Spinal Tap drummers often die in um, in mysterious and strange ways, and it's no no spoiler to say this drummer doesn't make it to the end of the film either. No. Uh, so that's so, where the vomit quote comes from because he, yeah, well, well, he died he died choking on vomit. Someone else's vomit. Yeah, it wasn't his own vomit. They, the, the police never find out who it was. We should say that they are none of these actors are British and they are all affecting these atrocious Cockney accents. Yeah. So yeah, so they are, they have begun um, a tour of America. Um, it's hard to say whether it's in the twilight of their success. I suppose they're becoming less popular, but they're so again they're so odd. Um, like they're. <laughs> It's, it's hard to describe what the band is because it's, it's kind of glam rock. I mean, their songs are not dirges. The songs are convincingly, we'll probably get into the music more we know, the songs are convincingly, I can believe this would be a, a rock yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. And that's very hard to do, actually. I yeah, think, it's a thin Making so it's, yeah. realistic sounding songs that are also parodies of themselves. Yeah. So anyway, they, they want to tour of America to promote their new 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 album, Smell the Glove, um, <laughs> which, which isn't going so well. Um, and their sort of band dates are being cancelled all over the place, and yeah, no one's and, turning up to things. And things are going wrong. It's a wonderful scene where the three of them step out of these these alien pods, and uh, and poor Derek gets stuck in his pod for the whole duration of the song yeah. until yeah. the the, uh, the um, roadie pops it open, and Derek leaps out just in time to have to leap back in again. <laughs> um, so so it's all going a bit wrong, and they're blaming their band manager for this, and um, and they uh, they and I think they. Uh, what else happens? They, again, many, many things go on. There's, there's lots of meetings, lots of interviews. Again, because it's a documentary, there's lots of chatting with the band. They, so they, they kept away from the touring scenes to um, Derek, David or Nigel are just explaining about their music and what it means to them. And they've got an amplifier that goes up to 11 because they, yeah. they go one higher. We just take it up to 10 and we go one more. It's like, well, why didn't you make 10 the loudest number? Now we go one higher. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose the, uh, the first, the first, um, a uh, sticking point in the in the story is when uh, David said his girlfriend comes along, mm. um, who's uh, Janine. Janine. She's she's went into her, her kind of astrology. She's, oh, yeah, she's spiritual, isn't she? Spiritual. She, she likes her um her, yeah. her what's it? I was going to say Accra, but that's the capital of Ghana. Chakra. That's it. <laughs> Chakra. In a very in a very yoga way, she she has she's got um, David's ear and his soul, and she keeps making suggestions to what the band should be. Of course, um, Nigel is not having any of this, and she also. Um, the, the sticking point is when uh, the Nigel sketches out a Stonehenge 
structure that's <laughs> playing. 18 inches. He gets his inches and his feet mixed up. Um, so they have a teeny tiny stone edge, yeah. <laughs> um, which which everyone blames the band manager for. He then uh, leaves in a half. He quits. And um, and Janine is now put in charge as the new band manager. I thought she was going to, no, is that surprising to be really good at it? Because she arrives yeah. with a really big dossier yeah. that she's worked really hard on. It turns <laughs> out all she's worked on is just everyone's star sign. <laughs> So, I thought Janine's going to take over. She's going to she's going to be right up red on it. Yeah, she's she's not. Is she? yeah, she's like, oh, you're you're you've even got their side. You're a Libra. You have that one. Yeah, they um, end up doing a a gig at uh, a military uh, oh. site, didn't they? It's, it's like it's like a tea party. They military like everyone gives them their best things. Like nice tables, yeah. and they're just it's a dance, their, isn't it? Yeah, they're singing sex farm or something. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's a good it's a good cut as well because the um, is it Fred Ward who yeah. uh, introduces just say you know so it's not Fred Ward it's um is it not Fred, Fred, Fred Ward no, Fred Ward is, is the um he's Fred the, Willard uh, that's it Fred Ward is the guy from Tremors who sadly died uh, this month he did didn't he rest in peace Fred Ward yeah Fred Willard yeah it is Fred Willard sorry yes um, but he says just start off with a you know a quiet one a low key one and it cuts yeah. really quickly to the, the just the opening so six. Yeah, <laughs> it's like old people in the crowd, like going, what? <laughs> um, and then so uh, Nigel's had enough of this and storms out, and that's it. So now the uh, spinal tap are down to just David and Derek. Um, David is trying to say, oh, he, he means nothing to me. This is it's established. He's known this person since childhood, and they've, they've yeah. been, lived their entire careers together. He goes, oh, he, he, we can carry on. We don't need him. Um, and they kind of uh, their their next gig when they come second bill to puppets is <laughs> goes is a huge disaster because it turns out that. Um, Nigel can either either plays or owns the rights to all the songs they do. So it's like yeah. um, I think uh, Derek, as they they work out, just goes, "Well, that'll be an entertaining ten minutes, then, won't it?" <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's a good quote is it Janine says I can't believe it how many times do I have to tell them that it Spinal Tap is before puppets <laughs> <laughs> on the bill yeah but in their final in their final um, their final performance of the final tour when they're all you know saying goodbye to it um, Nigel comes back grabs a guitar and the three of them kind of play that and it's a it's marvellous and then it's been found out that one of their songs is become, become big into fun Sex Farm is yeah. number five in Japan, so they're off. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it ends with them doing sold out tours in Japan, and uh, again, it's with David, Derek, and Nigel, basically revving their guitars, and Spinal Tap lives on. Yeah, and um, Ian Faith, who is the uh, the band manager, has been reinstalled as well. He's got quite a good um, character in the. In the yes, film. yes, yeah. He's he's shown um, brandishing his cricket bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which he, he carries at all times, not because he likes cricket, just because he he wants to be seen as an Englishman who has a cricket bat, and he gets he loses his temper sometimes and smashes things with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, also interesting to see a number of um, weekend at Crombie's uh, actors in in the film as well. Yeah. So we've got we had uh, Bruno Kirby again, indeed, as the limo driver. Yeah, Billy Crystal's Morty the Mime. Yeah. So again, they're not just weekend of comedies, but again, the uh, who would become Rob Reiner, Reiner's repertoire. So yeah. I like this. Like I have a rep company. Also, you get um, Fran Drescher as the, the yeah, PR you do. lady. Yeah. Um, and Dana Carvey as well. Oh, I didn't spot Dana Carvey. He was the other mime waiter. Ah, right. Yeah. So yeah, quite a few people in that. Um, and also, actually, Angelica Houston as well. Yes. Good God. <laughs> yes. Angelica Houston is the designer who gets Stonehenge wrong. And and about? it's a, it's a tiny scene where basically you've got a miniature Stonehenge, and it, it's it is very funny because. Uh, the the band manager um, Ian Faith is initially wowed by because it's a very nice eighteen inch sculpture of Stonehenge. <laughs> he's going, this is amazing. A... <laughs> yeah, he's like, will, will will the real will the real scale version have these contours and, and this colour? She goes, what real scale version? It's like, yeah. will it look like that? It's like, 
this is this is the stone edge. <laughs> you told me to to make yeah. it 18 inches and the yeah. thing is they actually use it it comes down in the gig doesn't yeah. it and they also dwarves have, dancing around it yeah, they try to do a druidic song and they they have they've had like dwarves dressed as leprechauns to dance around it and and even they're taller than stone edge yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it's, it's yeah, it's funny. You look and think, is that Angela Houston? She's very young in that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, but that I think is the tale of Spinal Tap, and it's with the whole thing is intercut by either um, uh, just shots of them, yeah, talking about their music. Like there's again, there's a, it's full of lovely moments where Nigel is, is playing on the piano, and it's 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 somewhere between Bach and Mozart. It's Mark, <laughs> um, but it, it's really beautiful well, piano playing because the funny thing is that they are not. They're not clueless musicians. They can actually oh, no. play. They're competent musicians, aren't they? And he plays and a lovely tune, and then it's like, what's that called? Oh, is it because it's like this is this is balletic. It's like, yeah. oh, what's called? Also called lick my love pump. <laughs> yeah. And that, I, I think that's where the success of this is final tap comes from, really, because they they are they are competent musicians. Yeah. And I mean, I I I wasn't alive in the heyday of British glam and prog rock, mm. but I can't imagine it's too far from the truth. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I suppose that's that's why it is a, a very successful satire, but uh, or pastiche at least. It, I, it, I don't think it is a satire. Because no, it isn't. Is it? It's a pastiche, it's, isn't it? It's definitely. Yeah. It is, there's, there's a lot of love in there. Um, yeah, there is. There is. Uh, so uh, you know, I can't. You know, I, I can't imagine that things like a Black Sabbath or I don't know. I bet they weren't that far from the kind of experiences yeah. that were being shown there. But actually, it sounds like we're, we're drifting right into the analysis. Are, I think yeah. there's going to be a lot more analysis than we'll be we'll plot mm. because we've just we've done it and stretched out. So uh, we will go away and construct a very small sandwich, um, and <laughs> and we will come back to you after the break. Welcome back, dear listener. I trust you folded your bread appropriately. That is, of course, a reference to another joke where uh, Nigel, who's been he's been given a complimentary platter of, of delicatessen foods, um, and I've been working on this for half an hour, and I can't I can't get it right. Basically, the bread is very small, and yeah, and it's smaller than the salami. Yeah, and all you need to do is fold the salami, and, it, and you've yeah. got a nice thick salami sandwich. And he, he's like, but the bread breaks in half when I fold it. You're not supposed to fold the bread, Nigel. <laughs> and he's got these olives. There's some of these olives have got holes in them, and the others they've got. They've got things in them. Yeah, he's doing my head in. It's like, don't, don't let the start any problems. I'm professional. I don't need... I don't... <laughs> he's getting very confused by the platter. Again, I think this was, again, this uh, parodying or um, nodding towards the uh, the riders that rock bands increasingly yeah. in, uh, demanded from their dressing rooms. Yeah, they're good. But, but yes, yeah, so in terms of... Again, we'll talk about the structure and the themes of this. Um, yeah, it's interspersed with, firstly, the songs themselves. The songs are given full song time. Like, there, there isn't... In fact, they released an album. There is an album's worth of music in the in the show. I've it's listened often... to the album many times as well. It's it's actually a very good album. There's some catchy ones in it. I, yeah, I think definitely. genuinely there are some there are some songs in there that can hold it. I think Hellhole is as good as any kind of um, yeah. epic rock ballad there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Ice I... Farm is brilliant. I feel because like, I, I know that um, the Big Bottom is, is yeah. one that's meant to be a parody of Queen's Fat Bottom Girls. I think it's better because yeah. <laughs> it's funnier because it catches you off guard because the whole thing. Firstly, it's played by three bass guitars, so yeah. it's just yeah. dun dun dun, and it he's he's singing the song and he's just making allusions to, yeah. to him. Yeah. and it's only when you get to the chorus when you've been listening to the song for like a minute and he goes Big Bottom. <laughs> it's just hilarious because it's like you realise what you've been listening to and, you know, it's just, and it's again it's told with utter sincerity. That's one of the things. It's not. He's not saying these people are silly, no, or, not at all, or they no. can't play, or the or the or the the audience is silly. It's um, it's not it's, cruel, is it? 
No, it's totally. Do you know what I was? And I was thinking cups and cakes. I thought you could play that on this jubilee weekend with uh, with the bunting, and you can, I can imagine that kind of a, a sepia tinted thing as children run in the streets, you know, yeah. having their 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 jubilee cake, and it's like. But yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, and um, this is the thing that um, I mean, you know, we we haven't gone through the the plot significantly, and to be honest, even you know, we've only touched upon you know one percent of the jokes i think anyone who listens to this has probably seen this is spinal tap yeah. so knows knows of the jokes as well but you, you you're absolutely right the songs are they are good songs which really helps in the the drawing you in and the believability of the rockumentary song i mean i i can absolutely imagine someone coming to this um film thinking that spinal tap was a real rock band right it's which I, I think was the mistake that some people made when they spoke yeah. to rob Reiner after saying why didn't you pick a more famous rock band yeah yeah well and, and that's that's the amazing thing this um this isn't unlike i don't know i suppose unlike some of what this could have been is is a, a ridiculous kind of rockumentary right it yeah. could have gone so far down a ridiculous road that it it kind of loses its sense of yeah. and it just becomes it becomes unfunny but there's enough in here it's not ludicrous i mean yeah. there, there is you know ridiculous things happen like the, the drummer spontaneously combusts and so on yeah. and so forth and all that kind of stuff but you know when they get down to the music yeah. it's not it's not outlandish it's it's quite good i mean the album stands up <laughs> it, I was, it it also, yeah, I mean, when you, when you say unfunny, I this is by no means an example of something that's unfunny because I think it's hilarious. But mm. Flight of the Concords, you'd yeah. never mistake that for an actual band. No, they, you're right. It's quite obviously a parody, and yeah. they're quite obviously being and they're being very funny with it. Oh yeah, the, it's, it's a different not, thing, isn't it? Yeah, but it, but yeah. That, that is the other side, I guess, of a a kind of a musical spoof satire. Yes, and I'm I'm with you. I I I like Flight. Of, well, you said you you love them. I like them. I like. I think it's a gimmick, right? Um, yeah. And it, it helps that they are exceptional songwriters. Um, but outside of that, I, I find I get a bit bored with it, really, because it, it feels very similar. Um, whereas this is Spinal Tap is it feels fresh, right? Um, and uh, it's 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 funny, I guess, really. And so so that that's what works for me. The other thing is you mentioned that it's it, I think it's good it's good humoured, it's good natured as well. It's not cruel, and I think that a lot of the kind of mockumentary style films and tv programs that followed certainly into the 90s and 2000s were mocking mm. they were very mocking of their subjects yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah very mocking of the subjects um and uh, yeah i think yeah no, this is spinal tap they almost ought to be mocked but there is a there's a it's homage really it's there's a there's a lovingness about it um and none of them are they're all they're, they're all just fun to be around aren't they they're just a bit stupid whereas you know something like the office i think is just a bit cruel yeah it's not just the office because i mean that is obviously a very well-known documentary um there was also one around the same time called people like us oh yes was, uh voiced yeah. by chris langham that's right um and again had bob bright and julia um yeah julia who's it I probably Julia Somerville, but it's not. Um, it's not Julia but, Som no, I know who you mean though. Yeah, um, and again, that had a funny. It had a very similar style in that it. Um, I was thinking of the the um, the intro when Rob Reiner is basically saying, 
Um, this is Spinal Tap have quickly become known as the loudest band in England. <laughs> yeah. and, and that and people like us had the same thing where it took ridiculous statements and presented them as documentary mm. fact, um, as if it was important you knew this and whatever. Um, but obviously it went further and they say that the people there were deliberate grotesques. You didn't like any of them and you mm. were not cheering for them to win. I mean, this I think that almost the overriding image at the very end when they're all got their yeah. guitars in unison and they've overcome their differences and they're a bit more successful now. It's good, isn't it? You feel you, good. You, you, you want that to happen. You're happy yeah, that you yeah. didn't want them to to basically go bankrupt and trudge back to England and live sad lives. You wanted no. them to to because they liked being in, together in the band. They were they were generally supportive of each other and uh, yeah. Yeah. You, nice. What you don't want you don't want them having to make the Jack the Ripper theatrical musical. Do you? <laughs> oh, I would have seen that. Yeah, so see Jack, you were naughty one. So see Jack. <laughs> Uh, well, it's I, kind of tragic that they do end up again, just because they were saying you don't be a forty-five-year-old rocker. They are going to just be, you know, be an aging yeah, rock are. band yeah. with declining returns, because that is the other half of it. They're you know they're now big in Japan. This but of... that's what they do, and and the 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 final scenes as well when they're asked what they would do if they you know if they weren't rock stars, if they weren't in Spinal Tap, yeah. and you know they're talking about um, is it oh, um, Nigel? Um, sorry, d yeah, Nigel Tufnell says I'd. I'd I'd be a salesman. He doesn't call it a salesman, does he? I'd sell things. And the haberdashers. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, hello. Yeah, hello, what's, what size is your feet? <laughs> yeah. So would you enjoy that? Uh, what the hour's like? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you could do, they can only really be 45-year-old rockers, can't they? Yeah, that is true, that is true. And, and so that's quite nice as well, that they're just, that is just how it has to be. So what would be in your tombstone? Here lies David St. Habins, and why not? Yeah. Your philosophy. <laughs> now, I just thought of something to say right then. <laughs> So now the thing is, we're not analysing the film now. We're just saying funny lines. No, no, that's true. It, um, which is quite hard to do. And um, a couple of things from me then, right? Um, on, on on some of this, the film I understand was almost entirely improvised. Yeah, which yeah. is quite impressive. I think they were given they were given in in all of the scenes they were given the start and end point, I guess, really, and they were allowed to just explore um, as they went through it. And it was. Um, where possible, they would use the first cut um, of of that improvisation to get the reaction from each other yeah. as well. So that was quite helpful. And they had over a hundred hours of um, f of of filmed um, of film. Sorry, um, so a hundred hours of film to, to cut it down to eighty minutes, and it's a tight eighty minutes. Yeah, as oh well. yeah, it's a short film. It's it, I don't I don't I've not seen it for a number of years. I don't recall it being this short actually. So it does rattle through it. But again, I think that's because. And perhaps this is where I'm coming from with my view of the film. It, 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 it what it does, it does really well. It's a bit of fluff, though, isn't it? Yeah. Right. There's not much else going on in it. But it, but what it does, it does exceptionally well. Right. It's well crafted. It's well made. It's funny, um, and it's 80 minutes long, and it comes and goes, and that's it, isn't it? Really. Um, I, 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 that's not a criticism, but at the same time, you know the library of congress culturally historically and aesthetically significant i'm not sure i buy that um i think that's a bit much it, i just find it it's a film that i can have on and be entertained by it without thinking that it is the most seminal film i've ever seen yeah yeah i'd say that i think yeah, i was talking about the structure you it's, it's a cross between uh, kind of overtly improv scenes mm. um kind of little vignettes when they're like doing you know, this is a bit where I show you the guitars this is a bit where I show yeah. you the uh, yeah. pictures and then the pop songs and and then the um the more plot driven scenes where they go through the story of the tour and yeah. that's kind of how it's divided up um yeah yeah 
And it's it's funny. I, when it turns to the improv scenes, you could obviously tell the bits where they were kind of riffing, but they yeah. were kind of going along. But I thought some of the scenes, the funniest scenes, were the bits actually as the credits were rolling. Um, when it was just them talking heads, and then just really again, when he's talking about the being the, the saint of elegant footwear or whatever, <laughs> yeah, um, quality footwear, quality footwear, that was it. And it's thought I didn't see enough of that in the actual film. Yeah. Some of the scenes they went on a bit too long. Like, and I think where I don't know again. They said they had a hundred hours they didn't have to work with, but I think were they making the right choice about when where to cut and when to cut? Because yeah. like for example, some in an eighty minute film, for example, the scene when um when Derek Smalls, and I said it was quite funny, when he gets he gets stuck in his pod and then it doesn't yeah. open to the end of the song. It takes the length of a song for that gag to pay off. And yeah, that's quite a lot of film time yeah. to spend on yeah. that gag. It is quite funny yeah. that Derek is in there still gamely playing his bass while the, uh, the guy breaks him out. But it's a it's a long time for that gag. And it is, it is. And you know, the the song is good. Yeah. But you're not in it for this. You're not in it for that song, are you? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the thing. And um, what's else I was thinking of is that. Like some of the gags are hit and miss. I mean, that's that's kind of the nature of doing this improv stuff. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a bit when um, uh, promoter Artie Fufkin, who's um, oh, yeah, which is, was the funny thing about him is his name. He he's in it, and when like he manages to mess up their 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 album signing because no one comes and this kind of stuff, and he like debases himself saying, you know, kick my ass, please, 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 and it's like this is a lot of Fufkin, and he's not the funniest thing in this. And I thought, no. where where do you, so that some of these things I say it goes for eighty minutes, but because it doesn't have a plot. It really hangs on. Is this particular scene I'm watching funny? It's like a sketch show. It's like, am I am I entertained right now? Yeah. It's and if I'm not, it. I'm not so much being pulled towards the next funny thing. Like if you think of a, I don't know, say a Steve Martin comedy in the '80s. Even if something's not particularly funny, you're almost braced for the next funny thing. Yeah, you are. Because, you, because he's you, such a he's such an extravagant performer, isn't he? Yeah. But also because you know the you know the character has now been established yeah. and the plot's been established, you know what's coming up will be funny. Whereas this yeah. is, I'm just going to see the next vignette. Yeah, and it may be funny, and it may yeah. be it may be a fuffkin. <laughs> it may be a fuffkin. Yeah, you're right, and I, I think as a consequence of that, and this might sound a bit sacrilegious, I guess. Really, I think people remember the the funny scenes and the yeah. one-liners and the quotable um, yeah. improvs, and they forget the things that aren't that funny. Yeah, and because I think there's probably about forty-five or fifty minutes of <laughs> hilarity in the film so there's a good half an hour where i don't think it you know it just plods along a little bit and you know stuff happens yeah Um, yeah and i say we were talking about it and we're throwing out the funny lines the things that stick with us and almost that's why i think it's become a cult classic you can rewatch because you 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 know when something's not funny you gloss over it because you know the bit you really like is coming up but i think in yeah you're right and in a lot of these kind of films and 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 spontab is no exception i the, the throwaway elements of it the throwaway lines, the, the the short, as you said, the interviews at the end are the funniest things because they are genuinely off the cuff. Yeah. Um, whereas the things that are set up, I tend to I do tend to find I don't know, they're 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 too in, in a film that is broadly improvised, they're too obviously set up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, the yeah. pod thing is a good example, but there's there's another one where they have the the, the black album because they've yeah. changed the change the 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 title of the album and the cover of the album because it was you know <laughs> the one previous was you know ridiculously sexist and misogynistic and yeah. all this kind of stuff that isn't that funny no it, well, it's funny a little bit but it goes on for about ten minutes 
Yeah, yeah, and it's also the actual. You know, I was thinking of the same thing, but before that is when um, Fran Drescher, their publicist, uh, is yeah. is talking to is talking about. It. I think Fran Drescher is quite funny. I've got a lot of time yeah, for her, but yeah, she she was basically berating the band manager about how sexist the cover was, and she describes it. And obviously, it's much funny if you describe it and not see yeah. it. But because yeah. it was quite clearly scripted, because obviously there was very little for her to improv with that. It's, yeah, she is, just has yeah. to get across the message of how ridiculous their album cover was. And again, it went on for a long time, and because. She, the band weren't allowed to riff around it so it just became it became it felt so scripted okay in a in a, in a thing with a, in a film with the funniest bits of the improv bits yeah it does stand out quite distinctly and it's it does doesn't funny. it and, and I, i'm not saying that that is unfunny yeah right it's not it's not you know unfunny particularly it's just not that funny either <laughs> yeah. it's well, just it's, it's, fa yeah. it's fairly middle of the road whereas you know the, the quotes we had you can't dust for vomit yeah. that's clearly an improv scene isn't yeah. it yeah. and it's clearly off the cuff and it i wasn't expecting it because yeah. it, it, you can't you can't um you can't plan for a you can't plan for a, <laughs> a script like that yeah. because it was it was right at the end it was thrown in and then there was a quick cut and i would imagine that what's happening is that they were <laughs> laughing their heads off so they have to cut it <laughs> And so you, you're left with that thought. That's the last thing you hear. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, it is. Like I said, there's a yeah. scene when Derek Smalls is going through the um, the the airport security, yes. and he yeah. keeps setting off the detector and the yeah. detector, yeah. and it turns out he's been like smuggling a cucumber wrapped in tinfoil down his trousers. Yeah. Which again, it felt so so scripted. It would have probably worked in a more scripted comedy. It but would here have. it's like da 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 set up yeah. and payoff. Yeah. Whereas you know, and it's not unfunny, but yeah. it's not. If the film was made up of entirely those kind of um, sequences, yeah. it, it wouldn't be a great film. Yeah. Right? Whereas, again, yeah, having Harry Shearer um, describe the fact that you have uh, David and Nigel like fire and ice, and I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, like middle, I'm like lukewarm water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With perfect sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's brilliant, isn't it? Far funnier than the, the tin Ford cucumber. Yeah, which was so set up so far away. You just knew yeah, you could see a marathon is going to happen to him. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. So it's, it's funny that yeah, they said they had so much improv. Could they have used more of it and got rid of this? Yeah. It's very hard when you've got a script not to use the scripty bits. It is, isn't it? And um, I mean, I wonder whether there was pressure there because the the film is 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 pretty plotless as it is. You think so? It, like, yeah, producer saying, for God's sake, you've got to have a story. Well, the thing is, if you take out some of those scripted, structured scenes, yeah. you are literally left with interviews, aren't yeah. you? And, yeah. and so it becomes. I'm not sure you can get away with that. That's a I mean, good point. If, I think you could in, in, its, in its success now, if it had just been that, again, I think it would have still been a cult classic. But yeah. I think if you'd looked at it again in the test previews or whatever, you'd probably say, look, it's got to have a, it's got to have a story. It's got to have something to hang these yeah. improv vignettes off. But mind you, you right. look at something like A Hard Day's Night, which is, you know, mm. it was a real would, band, yeah, but a similar yeah. thing. I mean, that's a little nonsense, but people loved it. I think, it, that might have been because of the Beatles, though. Yeah, oh, yeah they're quite popular, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas you know, you, you're making a, a film about an, an imaginary band. It's, that's not going to have quite the sell, is it? You say the same other Beatles are more popular than Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, so in, in that regard, I, I don't think the film. And you know, I, I have friends that I know will find this absolutely sacrilegious. So I apologise yeah. apologize to them to start yeah. with. I don't think you can call the film an absolute classic. Um, in, in terms of in terms of its quality, I don't think you can because I think about a third of the film doesn't pay off. But when it does pay off, it's it is hilarious, and um, I can. So I, I 
this is a film that I I can appreciate more than really love. I think yeah. there's a lot in it that I think is exceptionally funny and really well done, but there's also a lot in it that I think m- misses the mark, and I think people just feel a bit they're blinded by the the funny lines and the improv that they forget about the the things that don't work so well. And these people genuinely do find that kind of more structured stuff funny, but I don't know. It, it doesn't that doesn't work for me? If I'm in the same place and I didn't think it'd be, I thought you'd be a diehard fan of Spinal Tap and I'd be breaking your heart here because I find the same thing. I don't see where its cult classic status comes from, where people, because people, an awful lot of people say this is my favourite film ever and oh, I yeah. find it so funny. People will die in the mud for this film. Oh, definitely. And definitely. like I say, all, all the lines I've quoted so far, I genuinely laughed at. I thought they were funny and and I'll see them again and I'll probably check yeah. out them. But I won't rush back and watch the film because I do right. remember there are bits here where I just, I was drawn out of the film thinking, and Yeah, you get a bit bored. There's a few yeah. bits in it where I just think, oh, can we just get to the next yeah. song? I mean, yeah. I actually like the songs. I yeah. wanted to get to the next because actually, that that those songs are scripted, and the stage, um, the staging of them is structured. They have to be, but they're still funny. Yeah, right. It's it's really just the kind of the interstitial bits where they're connecting one thing to the next. Uh, that they, they feel like sketches from a, a sketch show. Yes. that maybe just aren't that funny. Yeah. See, I didn't find the, the songs that funny. Again, obviously, some are <laughs> um, ridiculous, but they're all in context. Um, yeah. But I think they're quite good as yeah, being things that break up the action and establish the band as being mm. genuine. And like I say, not not coming at it with a kind of a a, a, a nasty, cruel thing, making them stupid, like they can't play guitar or whatever, and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's 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 genuine. It makes their it makes them more credible, and that makes their ridiculousness off stage better. Yes. Um, so. And like I say, it's uh, what am I thinking of? I, th- I think, yeah, the fact that they have a teeny tiny Stonehenge is in itself funny because they are, because they've got big crowds. I could have done actually, if the if the band itself had been less dismally unsuccessful yeah, in the in yeah. the tour, because they 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 have crowds, they have people shouting for them. I didn't quite yeah, believe they'd have an album signing where no one turned up whatsoever, no, yeah, unless seriously. unless they managed to. Yeah, the, well, fu- he fuffkinned it up. He fuffkinned it up, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's things like it's like you know, they've got groupies hanging off their arm. They've got people screaming at them. Um, it's not that they're they're you know absolute nobodies. They're just a a band on the downward trajectory. Yeah, they are. So yeah. I I wonder about that. But I think for all that, again, they're portrayed with with a sense of affection and sympathy and, and warmth as well. Yeah, I think, and the improv stuff is great. And yeah, so it's so I enjoyed what I enjoyed of it. But I wouldn't go back saying this is a hilarious film and you must watch it as no. so many people do. Yeah, and I don't know about you. So I. Uh, I've not seen This Is Small Tap loads and loads of times. I've probably seen it three or four times. Yeah, me too. Um, and I wonder whether part of my lack of enthusiasm for it, I suppose, and that's too harsh. It's not a lack of enthusiasm, but you know, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm, I won't. I won't go to the. Uh, you know, I won't go to the grave for, for this yeah. is spinal tap. Yeah. Right, is because I saw it relatively recently for the first time. And when I mean when I mean relatively recently, I'm probably in the last ten years or so, or, yeah. or fifteen years or something like that. Um, and so by the time I had got around to watch it, I was so familiar with its tropes and a lot of its quotes that it maybe just didn't have the impact that I was expecting to have, that I was expecting it to have on me. And so I was left a little bit disappointed because if, you know, if if you hear about a film that is the funniest film ever made yeah. and that, you know, 
loads and loads of people will you know will quote it to you and say that it's this is you know this changed my life this is one of the best films that has ever been made and you watch it having seen clips of it you might even have seen you know 30 or 40 percent of the film in different clips and you watch it and it just doesn't quite click there's a lot there that's good so the first time you watch it you think oh yeah that was brilliant that was really good but inside there's a little niggle which is i don't, I don't know if it was but yeah. i'm clearly in the wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you watch it again and you think you know what this isn't really this isn't for me i don't think then you third and the fourth time and you realize actually you know what i'm not seeing what other people are seeing yeah i think so i think i'm i'm similar place. i didn't watch i watched it way after its reputation was built um yes to kind of take it in also i, th I think a couple of things is firstly we've discussed this before when you have a, a kind of a really um um, not memorable, really uh, inspirational film that sets a marker that other things copy. Mm. And I've seen a lot of the copies. I've seen lots oh, of yes. documentaries that's since That's another then. thing, isn't it? That's, um, a, that's so, a challenge. Yeah. So I was familiar with the style. So it wasn't like this is groundbreaking. It's like this may have broken the ground, but yes. I didn't see it there broken. So that oh, was a thing. I, a lot of it's a lot of it's um, um, new things it was putting forward and innovative things. It's like were, watching were, were, classics from the 40s, isn't it? You yeah. watch them knowing that they are good, yeah. but really having seen the technique and the context developed over 30 or 40 years. Yeah, it's like when I think I saw Fistful of Dollars for the first time. It's like, yeah. I've seen this before. It's like, you, you wouldn't have done it if you saw it in life. No, it's true, um, isn't it? So, yeah. it's, it's that, so that, so not being, uh, again, of age it's to not watch in fault, it? No, it's not, yeah. it's not the film's fault. So that was one of the things. Um, and yeah, so, um, and also I think the other thing is just because I didn't have the the vocabulary of the music it was yes. doing. I'm not that familiar with the rock, so I didn't. I would have gone, oh, that's what they're doing with that song. That's yeah. very clever. Yeah, I, I agree with you as well. It, it I, I didn't go down the rock path, yeah. so I don't have that cultural context um, or that that what you know. I don't. I don't have that language. You're right. It's the language, isn't it? It's it's the. Yeah, I didn't listen to rock really growing up, and so it doesn't feel. It, I don't I don't have the absurdities of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I think for me it was, I again, I, I, laugh, I laughed where I laughed. I appreciated the film, but yeah, it's not the Stone Cold classic that it, 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 so many people do. It doesn't mean they're wrong. No, of um, course not. It, it hits the beat for them. I think it's, it's but I yeah. suppose, I mean, that's the, again, it, it's, it's a, it's again, it's gone to the, the, uh, the Museum of American Culture, whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's, but it's a cult classic and a cult classic by, by its nature has limited appeal. It always will. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it, it's, it has limited, but very, very strong appeal within that limited group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's right, actually. You, yeah, it, it th th there are strong um, advocates for the film because of its cult nature, I think. Um, and if you love it, I think you really love it. Um, there are a couple of things that you know it's it's worth saying about it. I, I mentioned this at the start, and the, the the songs are good. But what I think the songs do really well is, um, I think it's really hard to make songs believable when they're not real. If that makes yeah. sense, I know, yeah. I know that the songs are real, but they're made up for the purpose of this mockumentary, and yet they sound like they could be real yeah. because they are. And that I think is really difficult. So, um, I saw a film. Um, I can't, you know, I can't remember what the, I can't actually remember what the name of the film is now. But um, there's a, there's a, um, uh, I've seen a number of films, right, where it's purporting to be set in a particular era. Yeah. Um, 
or a decade, for example, or kind of cultural location. And um, it might be, and, and the music in it doesn't reflect what I understand that music to be from that time. So the film I'm thinking of is a film called Sing Street okay. by a director called John Carney, who also directed um, quite a lot, quite a very good film called Once, um, and um, also Begin Again with um, uh, Mark Ruffalo. And um, uh, who was that? Who's the actress in um, Bend It Like Beckham? What's her name? Oh, Keira Knightley. That's it, yeah. So Sing Street is about uh, a, a, a teenager growing up in Dublin in the 80s, right? And he wants to, he, he, what he wants to do is he wants to start a kind of new romantic band, yeah? Yeah. Um, ostensibly to impress this girl who has moved into the area, who's really cool, and he's a bit of a dork, right? But, you know, anyway, he sets this band up, and the film is effectively him and his bandmates creating the music for the for the film and it's got such incredible reviews you know it's like it's 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 really it's got such a high score on letterboxd and um it's really 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 popular and i just thought it was awful <laughs> and the, and the one reason i found it awful was because the music that they were making sounded like music made now to sound like it was the 80s Okay. rather than something that sounded genuinely from the 80s right um and i couldn't really put my finger on what was wrong with the songs because they're well made they're, they're yeah. they have you know they're, they're, they're good songs but they just didn't sound authentic that's the word they didn't sound authentic they sounded like it was a someone looking back 30 years previously remembering what songs sounded like and trying to make it sound like that okay. where and, and it really sport the film because i couldn't get with it because it just it was unbelievable spinal tap has none of that problem i, I don't mean to say that, that you know songs sound like they're in the 80s obviously it was made in the 80s yeah. but those songs sound exactly like i would imagine a prog rock or a glam rock band on the downward trajectory would sound yeah it's perfect it is really good and not only that they also give them a um a heritage as well which is also yes. really good they start off actually for one uh, quibble on this first is because it was improvised i think they made a mistake because they asked um, david and nigel when they first met and they said they were in different bands and then they in the yeah. later scene they said they were childhood friends i think mm. and they wrote songs together well how did they been different bands then mm. but nonetheless um they, their first hit was cups and cakes which is such a lovely yeah. 1950s cups and cakes yeah. i'm so full my tummy aches and then they move on to give me some money which is a very mop tops beatles type yeah. thing and that's and got ed they... begley jr in it hasn't it? yeah it's the john stumpy <laughs> <laughs> the drummer's name is just the best yeah. and then it's listen to the flower people when they go through their, their hippie yeah. phase and it's you think yes like this is not just something they made up for 1982 no. No. they've given these guys a heritage that, that and those songs that, all sound like they should yeah and and they can they, they, they the footage is grainy and the haircuts are, yeah. of the time and you can think yeah i can believe that david and nigel did this so not only does the band have credibility but the friendship and the relationship between the two of them has immense credibility so you really feel it when they when they, the band breaks up um because like these guys have been been kind of creating stuff forever yeah and that to me i think is the biggest success of the film you, t you take away the the humor of it and and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff i think actually the fact that the the, the album of this is spinal tap yeah i think could and maybe does and you know i'm not an expert in this genre but could and maybe does stand up as an excellent example of a early 80s rock band right yeah. and that is that's pretty incredible yeah 
<laughs> so in some respects, perhaps the album is even better than the film, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking actually when you said some examples of when it, when it doesn't take, there's a couple I, I thought of immediately when you said that. Was um, One was actually Alan, Aaron Sorkin, who will appear in later films with uh, Rob Reiner, um, yeah. did a, a show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. That was oh, yes, basically a, yeah. a, a Saturday Night Live um fictitious um, yeah. studio uh with so it was com a comedy studio and then the the backstage happenings um, and he tried to write both the backstage happenings and what was happening on stage as well and the onstage uh, comedy yeah. was dire it just wasn't funny so it's a little bit like the gary shandling show right no a little that, that no, you know, because no, the Larry Sanders show was was oh, intentionally yeah, dire I mean, yeah, actually, okay. also more of it actually you could believe when he was doing his presenting and talking to people, it was happening. Whereas these yeah. were comedy sketches that just weren't funny and because they'd been written by him. And I guess you can't do everything. So yeah, it's not because, spontaneous enough, is it? Well, it's, it's just because once that once that had gone, once you you realised that here's the here's another example might make more sense of it. I was watching <laughs> the BBC did Ballet Shoes, which is a children's story with Noel Stretfield about yeah. three orphans who who make their way actually make it as, as young um, performers. These um, and one of them turns out to be an acting prodigy. Um, she when she becomes a teenager, she gets she gets onto stage and film, and everyone's like, "Wow, she is really good. She's mm -hmm. she's going places." And it's played by quite a young Emma Watson. And with the greatest one right. in the world, her in her career was. I was thinking, if you want to pretend someone can run fast, you can fake that with a camera. You just have everyone else run yeah, slower. You can, if you want to make you. someone strong, you just give them fake weights to lift. Yeah. It's very hard to fake someone being a good actor <laughs> as an actor. <laughs> it's, it's like if they were a good actor, they'd be a better actor already. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. So yeah. It, it, and when when you see that's not clicking, you're taken out of the whole thing. I think you know what. I don't believe people are gasping at this great actor and I don't believe yeah. people are laughing at this great comedy. Well, so what is it? I can yes. believe the audience is cheering it. at this yeah. rock and roll music. I, there's a word for it. It's the, um, it's, 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 it's the simulacra, isn't it? Well, no, that's probably not the right word. It's the ersatz. It's like an ersatz of the reality of it, isn't it? It's just yeah. slightly off. Yeah. And so the fact that it's slightly off means that you can't, you, you've, it's lost for me. I can't yeah. then engage with it because it's yeah. just, yeah, you, you, as you say, if Emma Watson is, um, uh, you know, touted as the the best actress in the world at such a young age, she needs to be a better actress, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, um, you <laughs> you <know? laughs> and it's to, very to yeah. justify it. Yeah, and it's and it. I think performance is one of the few things you obviously can't fake in a movie. Oh, you can no. fake someone strong, someone yeah. can fly, yeah. someone can be an alien. Yeah. But you, if they they're performing, they're performing. And I think had they gone the track of making the Spinal Tap songs silly or just having them fall over their guitars or anything like that. You you wouldn't believe the audience was cheering for them, or you wouldn't they believe would, that they would were. They wouldn't go to the concerts, would they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we haven't even mentioned that because this is a Rob Reiner film. The, it was sort of the whole concept was kind of written, improvised by the main four: Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, Michael McKean, and Rob Reiner. It was it was kind of a collaborative effort, and the the actors are musicians themselves. They were performing yeah, they and were. playing these songs too. So it wasn't, so there was, I guess that helps to it because they were they were literally giving themselves into it. It wasn't just miming away. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, you're very true. Um, I mean, this is the weekend at Crombie's two, the legend of Crombie's gold, the Rob Reiner run, right? So um, we should probably talk about Rob Reiner a little bit. Yeah. I, I, um, what I was reflecting on is that we've, we've seen um, this Stand by Me uh, and um, when Harry met Sally. I mean, Stand by Me is a, a, a slight aside, but um, we should, in, we should in, point out we uh, we're not doing these in order. Listeners. Oh yes, so sorry. We published them in order just to yeah. confuse you. Yes, indeed. Sorry, I've given that away, haven't I? But <laughs> it's, it's all good. But let me start that again, actually, because that's not quite what I wanted to say. Right. So, <clears throat> right. 
So this is um, obviously uh, Weekend at Crombie's 2, the Legend, of Crombie, uh, the Legend of Crombie's Gold. It's the Rob Reiner series, right? So we should talk a little bit about Rob Reiner. And we're talking about his first seven films. And obviously, um, there's the, uh, my, my view on it is this one, i.e. this is Spinal Tap, and also When Harry Met Sally. Um, and I, I think possibly Princess Bride and possibly even um, A Few Good Men they all either redefine or um, start afresh a movement of a particular genre, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and, and that's pretty impressive given that it is, I mean, this was his first film. So this is Spinal Tap, his very first film. Yeah. Um, I think that This is Spinal Tap is, is of such cultural significance, whether we think it, deserves to be or not I don't know yeah. but it is of such cultural significance that it has spawned an industry of the mockumentary style genre that followed it in the same way that um, when Harry met Sally reinvigorated the romantic comedy yeah. and then we had you know hundreds and hundreds of similar types of films some good some not so good that followed it um, I think and that's remarkable given that he's again, he yeah. just picks a genre knocks it out of the park yeah. is massively influential yeah goes to the next one. I know. The same How mad thing. is that? I, I think, say, yeah, I think I, the same I, is The Princess Bride as well, which did a similar thing. It reinvigorated that kind of um, fantasy comedy type um, yeah. genre as well. But I think it's, um, like I say, so when we say Spinal Tap is significant, I, I think it's more in the case of its style than its content. Yeah. It, yes. Its style, I would say, is is of, of note. Again, in 1980, there is a it's massively influential. Whether whether or not it, its content was was hilarious or not, yeah. it's the fact they did it in the first place is really worth knowing. It is, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But but you're right. I mean, I mean what, how, how has he managed to do that? Um, and you know, I think uh, for a few um, a few good men is a, is a good example of reinvigorating that kind of oh courtroom drama yeah. as well. I mean, he didn't invent the courtroom drama. Don't get it. Don't get me wrong, but. I think that was such a behemoth of a film that it. Yeah, it, that, it, we'll, we'll come to that. We come to that, but that is the, those. Yeah, that definitely sent shockwaves. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. So this Princess Bride, A Few Good Men, When Harry Met Sally. I mean, you might even make a case for Misery as a kind of like um, that kind of horror thriller from the early. You know, a, re, a kind of reinvigoration of that. I'm not quite sure, but. Um, certainly took Stephen King um, adaptations to another level as well. Maybe that's less so, a bit more tenuous, but certainly the ones that we've mentioned there. I mean, for, for, a, for, a, um, for a first seven films, that I think they are, he has made at least three, what is it, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant films. Yeah. And um, that is not bad going at all. I know. Absolutely. And it's I don't know that he's incredible. given the, the props that he deserves. I'm to be convinced he's not. I mean, almost his films are. I think people in yes. the, people will say, yeah, people will love this Spinal Tap. The Princess Bride also has, yeah, you name any of these films. The reason we're picking these films is because people absolutely love them. But no one they says, love them, yeah. I love the Rob Reiner film when Harry met Sally, or I love the Rob Reiner from The Princess Bride. It's it's maybe it's because he jumped genres so much. It's not like I'd love the romantic comedy genre that he did five of. It's just like. <laughs> It's always he's, he's, he's right. robbed himself of that of that auteur yes. status. But that almost makes him even that. more impressive, right? It is. It's like you know you were really good at the violin, then you go off and manage to make pottery. Also, yeah. like, yeah. you're going all over the place. I was going to say he's a bit like Rolf Harris, and he he can play the didgeridoo and paint. <laughs> Cut that out now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> you can do a lot more than didgeridoo and paint. 
Yeah, but I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I don't think he's necessarily given the props that he deserves. And um, well, this maybe will turn the tide. Maybe we will be of cultural significance and make people realise that Rob Reiner absolutely nailed it in the eighties. He, he, yeah, he did. He did. Um, you're right about the genre thing because you know, you, but I don't know. Mate, people don't say who are your top five directors. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, David Lynch, Akira Kurosawa. Um, they might they might say um, I don't know John Huston. They never say Rob Reiner, never. <laughs> and now, fair enough. After these seven films that he made, it's pretty much utter dirge, <laughs> right? And there was one and, peak, one peak after that with the American American president. president yeah, then yeah. One the peak, after but, that, but well, he, maybe he'd just given all he had to give. And here's something else, actually. Mm. This is this is complete projection, but from every interview or or whatever I've seen of Rob Reiner, he seems quite settled, quite normal, quite happy. And yeah. maybe if you're going to be an auteur, you need to you know ruffle some feathers, have an edge, didn't you? You need to have an edge to be seen like yeah. you're serious. And just you know, it, it, getting on with people and, and turning out good work is yeah. not enough. It, no, he just seems like he's having a nice time. Yeah, and so he therefore, wants that. Yeah, I suppose that's that doesn't help creativity, does it? Well, it does um, him clearly, but you know, it doesn't help the the impression of creativity. Like I say, if you've got to smash for a hotel room to show that you're really passionate. You can't just go out and knock out another genre classic. It's the uh, yeah, it's the genre classic, isn't it? How 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 has he done that? The genre classics. There's at least four of them in the seven that we're looking at. So like you should Martin Scorsese. He's done one genre very well. He hasn't well, moved I think that's this. a little bit unfair. Um, he's done one genre quite well, then. <laughs> he's done more than one genre. I see, it's basically the mobster genre, isn't it? Well, he's done a lot of mobster films. That's but, what I mean. You know, I'm not saying he's done one film very well. I mean, he's 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 picked his genre. You can't say Martin Scorsese hasn't picked his lane. Uh, look, a Martin, I think Martin Scorsese is probably most known for his gangster and mobster films, right? I, would say I will comments. I will accept that. But Taxi Driver isn't a mobster film. Uh, okay. It's not. It no, no, you're not. No, it's absolutely not. No, but it deals with masculinity and violence in the same way that Goodfellas does. And, and I think that that is probably fairer. Um, I think Scorsese is, I mean, you look at Hugo, for example, is not a, um, a the one film. with... It's not a good film, no, it isn't. But it's also not a, it's not a film about. Yeah, but I think Batch might come in of one thing very well. He does. He does get masculinity, violence, and the mean streets. The Age of Innocence. Oh God, did he do that too? Yeah. Would maybe, you say yeah. Would you say that we've reformed Bonnet Punker? Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I realise now we've just ruined the chance of Mr. Scorsese coming on our podcast, but I'll I'll, I'll roll the dice on that. Yeah, you're, Rob yeah. Ryan is welcome anytime. He is. He is. Um, yeah, I suppose you're right, really. David Lynch is a bit nuts, isn't he? So, you know, he's not going to he makes weird films like that. And uh, I'm, not yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that's a diss against Martin Scorsese. He's, he's a fantastic <laughs> legendary director. But I'm saying that with fantastic legendary directors, you normally get one type of genre out of them repeatedly and of great quality. You don't get them bouncing around. That's true. Isn't it? You, yeah, you're right. Um, so let's get, you know, I say let's give Rob Reiner the, the, the props to you. We're doing that, aren't we? We're actually yeah, yeah. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, although we're doing it with the films that everyone knows, maybe we should we should have chosen well, seven of his. You know, maybe we should have chosen his seven latest films. Which yeah, because that been would hell bury him. Be like, <laughs> why are they doing Rob Reiner? These films suck. Yeah, they would. Or like, hang on, they're doing a retrospective of Rob Reiner, but they're not doing Spinal Tap, Misery, A Few Good Men, uh, <laughs> Stand by Me. 
Babylon uh, Harry, other, that belongs to the other podcast. Maybe, uh, maybe North is a, a Weekend at Crombie's original to be looked at. Maybe, maybe, maybe. not. <laughs> yeah. um, I still can't quite, uh, and maybe this is the other thing as well. Uh, an auteur, you have a you have a style, don't you? Uh, maybe it is the genre hopping. I can't quite figure out a Rob Reiner style. That is true. Other than no, um, you know, I mean, script wise, I mean, when Harry Met Sally was was quite. Um, it's quite staccato in its structuring, and I think Spinal Tap is a little bit as well. Yeah, but, I mean, that's not really the directorial kind of no. flourish, though, is it? You, you wouldn't say, well, Harry Sorry was kind of improvised, but it was also, you know, Nora Ephron wrote it. It was quite tightly written. It was. And Stand and By Me isn't, isn't improvised, is it, yeah, at all? Yeah. And neither is Misery, well, yeah. you know. <sighs> yeah, so it's, it's not, it's not, well, it's, it's what, he might be just letting the actors act, letting them breathe a bit, because, yeah. I mean, because obviously Stand By Me, they were kids, but we mentioned again, River Phoenix knocked it out of there. Um, oh. But also when Harry met Sally, I mean, they, they, that's a great actor's film. It is, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. So it, it may be, he's just, well, to find out as we the rest of him, he's good with actors. Because yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's no bad thing to get a good performance from anyone. And they, they, you know, he doesn't really get bad performances in his films. There's no bad performance in this film. It, it's, I know it's largely improv, but I mean, <laughs> I even like the crazy pianist who gets like three lines. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, the yeah. bit at the end when it just says, "What's your philosophy?" And he's just for some reason they got mangled. His eyes are enormous. Yeah. His broken teeth. He goes, "Have a good time all the time." Yeah. <laughs> and you think what? Think yeah, but thinks if that was improvised, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, yeah, superb. Well, look, I think we have done Spinal Tap, haven't we? We have. Do we score it? Do we score it? I think we do. I think we have to yeah. score it. Let's take, let's take a little break as we uh, we gather up our tiny sandwiches and crank the dial up to 11 and, uh, and we'll give it its scores. Indeed, indeed. Welcome back as we emerge for the final time from our transparent alien pod and call down a very small Stonehenge as we will weigh down upon Rob Reiner's very first film, This Is Spinal Tap. James, what is your score for This Is Spinal Tap? Well, look, you know, it, it, This Is Spinal Tap is a film that is very enjoyable, if, if it, it, even if it isn't the cultural um, behemoth that I think people seem to think it is. Um, that's no slight on the film. It, you know, it does what it does really well. It's, it's a warm and um, really really well put together homage to um, the era but it doesn't really click with me all the time and I think when it's good it's great but there there are too many misses for it to be really classic it's a three stars for me three stars for you I think I would I would echo that actually right in synchronization um mm -hmm. it didn't really hit the mark. The funny scenes I found very funny, but it's not again the the funniest film. If I had to put them a list of you know best ten comedies, it wouldn't even come close to it. So for me, three stars as well. There we go. Um, but you know, I feel a little bit unfair doing that because when it's good, it's very good, and there's a lot to admire in the film, isn't yeah. there? Um, but that, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry, Indeed. Rob. But but don't be. This is the first in our. This is the first in the in the series devoted to Rob Reiner films, and we've scored it in the middle. But don't despair. We've got more coming up. Ah, uh, we and, do. Uh, and and we're looking forward to each and every one of them. We are. We are indeed. And don't forget, dear listener, that if you um, want to. 
listen to our dulcet tones more, you can head over to our I guess, our parent podcast, I guess. Listen, really, listen to this cross-marketing. I, I, I almost hesitate to say you're doing so well there, but if they're listening to this, they're signed up to the other one. <laughs> There's yeah. no escape, but uh, no well, escape, done. well done. But Keep we do have, we, we also right. do have, we have a parent podcast, Weekend at Crombies, where we dive deep into unloved films or films that perhaps need a, need a, a light shining upon them. And um, we have most recently um, watched a That's civil action. Help, James, because this, this is going all out of sync. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're going to. Oh, be, yeah, of course it is. We're doing a week of Rob Reiner's. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, we are, aren't we? Yes, yeah, so yeah. we can't do that, can we? Anyway, yeah. listen to Weekend yeah. at Crombies. It's great. Yeah. Enjoy tomorrow, indeed, when we'll do the next film. From your perspective, you'll get this in one after the other. You lucky oh, yes. As you so can say, tell, I am completely confused as to what we're doing with these <laughs> podcasts, but they will be released at some point this year. Look out for them. I am indeed the. Uh, what is it, the, uh, the Ian Faith of this, uh, this, <laughs> yeah, this podcast? You are. <laughs> and when I say we end, in our, in our parent podcast, we raise films up. We, if you like, uh, tie our shoelaces to them and drag them round for one last spin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's last we weekend at Crombies. And until then, until whenever, whether you, whether you listen to the next Rob Reiner or you join us for our monthly reviews, I wish you a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. The, the National Arboretum is near us. Oh. Um, it's the National Memorial Arboretum. Um, for, the, for the fallen soldiers. Which ones? All of them? Yeah, it, yeah. It's for all of them that died in any war. Wow, that's yeah. broad. It's massive as well. It's like the UK, it's the National Arboretum, basically. Like even the War of Jenkins' Ear. Probably. <laughs> There's bound to be some. They have that like little. They have no, little that, that's the, okay, that, there was, <laughs> there's a small tree planted to the guys who died in the War of Jenkins' ear. You know what? Right, I'm going to actually Google. The I, don't, yeah, I don't think that deserves a tree as much as the guys who like liberated Auschwitz. Yeah, well, maybe they get more than a, a tree. tree. They might get a bench as well. <laughs>